0: Those who don't know that that movie is um, one of the many Marvel movies that are out there. Um, and in the in the car driving, you've got Captain America, someone who was frozen in time for or frozen in ice. And so in the movie, you're hearing referencing the fact that he's 95 years old, doesn't look it, but had been frozen for many of those 95 years. Uh, and in the car with him is uh, the character Black Widow, who was a super spy. So throughout her life, she pretended to be lots of different people and uh, even Captain America at this point in time didn't know if he could fully trust this person and so he asked the question um, like, or he says that comment like it's really hard to trust someone that you don't know who they are and her comment to that was well who do you want me to be? Who do you want me to be? And I, I suppose that comment that phrase is something that maybe it becomes a little bit entangled in our own heart, our own thought processes. And and we start asking that question, who do you want me to be? We ask it of other people. We ask it of ourselves. We ask it in our workplaces. We ask it in our schools. We go, who do you want me to be? Who do I want to be? And all of a sudden, we we get to this point. Like Anyone, anyone ever look back at their life and go, I wish I'd never worn that? Um, so... So the 80s were a terrible decade for for fashion. Um, the thing is, there's probably like there's probably I reckon some of the the people of the last 10, 15 years are going to look back and go. Oh, I can't believe I wore that. Um, and and things like that and and like some just because it's fashion doesn't mean it looks good. Okay? That that is that's not a half truth, that's a lie. Just because it's fashion and just because it's expensive doesn't mean it looks good. Um, anyway, but the thing is over for some of you who have lived more than a couple of decades, you may have found yourself at different times of your life recreating yourself. You go through your closet, you throw everything out, and you go, "I'm going to buy new clothes, update my fashion, new hairdos." Greg's been sporting the same one for a while now, so he's he's pretty he's pretty content with his. Can't you can't sort of match perfection, can you, Greg? Like, yeah, you've got never got a hair out of place. Ah, um, never. So. Um, like he, he doesn't take time in the morning. Like um, he doesn't have to look in front of the mirror. He probably does, just admiring perfection. So anyway, moving off the topic. But the thing is, we do get to the point that we try and recreate ourselves at time and sometimes we, we, it, it could be anything from diet or, or change of career, we, we, or a changing of, of scene in our lives We go, you know what? I'm going to take hold of this new situation. I, I'm going to become a, a new me. I'm going to be maybe a bit more bold or I'm going to sort of, I want to hang out with the popular kids. And it's interesting to see kids who start high school who may have been best friends in primary school and and they literally move up a year and all of a sudden all these new dynamics and all of a sudden they go, "I, I want to change who I am. I don't want to be known as that kid. I want to be known as this kid and I want to do this and I'm willing to sacrifice this to become that and because it's all wrapped up in identity. And we all do it in different ways, like we try and sort of pursue the identity that we want and we are constantly asking this ourselves, who do I want to be? Who do I want to be? And this is, I want you to hold on to this phrase, it is very easy for it to make our life's purpose the pursuit of value for ourselves so we can find identity. So what, I, what I'm saying now is that is it's very easy to say, our life's purpose, our life's goal is to find value in something or like whether that's career, family, friendship, whatever else or having things so that we can find identity. So the things of value give us our identity. So our purpose leads to value which leads to the definition of who I am. And and the thing is, and there's probably more than two, but I just want to limit to two today. Like, there are two paths of this pursuit. The first one is I am important because I'm successful. Like, again, how you define success? Like, do do you ever get together with other family and go, you know what? Or at least, at least I'm doing better than you. Or my kids are more behaved than your kids. Or, um, look at the car I drive. Or, or maybe you have other people do. I know I've got, not my direct family, but other family that they always talk about the good stuff that they have. Oh, you shouldn't, shouldn't drive that car. You should drive this car instead. You should have this. or look at what I've got and like what you don't have. And so sometimes success is, 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 is very sort of though fleeting because what you may be successful in one year, you may not be the next year. And, and even like the fact is that some ages, like anyone ever won anything in sports ever. Okay, so sometimes we, we do that and then all of a sudden you might get a bit older, a little bit slower, a little bit more pain. And, and all of a sudden you go, oh, that race that I used to win, I don't win, any, win anymore. That game that I used to play and love playing, I can play for five minutes and then I need to go sort of have like a, go into the ice like Captain America just to get the swelling down. And so all of a sudden, are we less successful then when we can't compete? Maybe I'm our, our important because I am rich. I like the thing is, as kids, you, you look up at, at adults and you kind of go, "I wish, I wish I had that magic card because then I'd get anything that I wanted. That that magic card that they can just go into the shops and buy those things. And I don't understand why they won't buy me more toys and lollies and stuff that I want because it's all on that magic card. And when I am rich, that's when." I'll, have, I'll be important because I'll have, I'll have money to do the things that I want. And as adults, we sometimes carry that same philosophy. When I am rich, when I have enough stuff, then I'll be able to be content in life and I'll know that I'm important. Sometimes we go, I'm important because I have something that you don't have. We look around us and go, do you know what? I, I can say my importance is there because there is something that you are missing in your life that's present in mine, whatever that might be. That might be a marriage and someone you look at someone who's single and go, oh, well, you, you're not as important as me because I'm married. You may have people that have got broken relationships and, and people go, well, at least I don't have that. I'm, I'm important because that's not in my life. Or I, I have a job, I have this, I have this, I have this, I have this. And so therefore I'm more important because I've got more of something. I am smart. Some people go through school and they go, you know what? As long as I do great on my exams, as long as I get a good report card, then I'm important. But what happens if you have a bad report card? What happens if you have a bad test? What if someone actually does better than you in your your exam and you come second in the school rather than first? All of a sudden, does that lessen your importance? Or maybe I'm important because I am popular. I remember I and so, so for the younger people who are just getting into Facebook and things like I remember when Facebook came out so um, I, I remember a few of the I remember when the internet came out so so like that's like for some people that have lived with the internet and they go there's no Wi-Fi here like I lived at a time when there was no Wi-Fi anywhere okay there was such a time as that um, and it's not ancient history it's relatively recent history but you probably see that as ancient still but so there was a time with no wifi and I remember um getting things like the internet at home and you could chat with your friends online like and you'd stay up late at night chatting with your friends not about much but just to have the novelty to go, I'm chatting online and I'm I'm I've got friends online um, I remember uh, very much when I used to go to high school camp as a leader, and even as a camper, you get letters, like letters, well, I used to get letters from, from campers, and like, and, and oh, this is awesome, you get a letter in the mail, I'm popular, and then it became email, so you kept them dialing up to check your email, um, whereas these days... I get that much email, like from people trying to sell me stuff. I wish I'd never had it. Um, but the thing is, like, because again, like, if I went, oh, oh, how many emails do you get a week, and, and and based that as my popularity, but they're not friends. And then we've got things like Facebook, where you can you can have su- people suggested as friends left, right, and centre. You can be this person's friend, this people's friend, and and the thing is, like, you may not even be friends with them, but you want to count it as a number. I've just moved from. From 999 friends to 1,000 friends. Look at how popular I am. And, and you think, then you look at other social media things where what they talk about is how many followers do you have? I've got one million followers. I'm going, what does that, what does that even mean? Like, what does that even do for your life? But, but maybe for some people, like, I'm important because I'm popular. Or maybe I'm important because people say that I'm special. Because I've done this, or I've done that, or I've do really well in this area, and 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 I'm, I'm people say that I'm special, and, and people even listen to me. Maybe you're a, you're a person who does have a little bit of influence in in certain areas, and and all of a sudden people come to you for for advice, or or seeking help, or seeking guidance, and, and you go, do you know what? I I feel important because people rely upon me. Sometimes, like as a parent, I can only un- well, as parents, our kids come to us for advice at times. Like I think a lot of my kids are getting to the point they're going, do you know what, dad doesn't know that much. So I'm going to go elsewhere for advice or I'm going to solve it myself. Or or sometimes, I, I remember watching a movie where basically the dad suggested something for the daughter. Oh, you need to go do this. And, and no, no, dad, you wouldn't know what you're talking about. And then the boyfriend or fiance said exactly the same thing. And she listened. To He's peeing, oh, yeah, sure. I'll go get my jacket. And the dad's there going... I said it first, I I knew what I was talking about, but all of a sudden he's no longer listened to by his daughter. His daughter's got someone else that she relies upon. Maybe you're important because you wear all the right things, have all the right stuff, you know all the right people, and that gives you importance. Or maybe I'm important and you fill in the blank with something else. That's one of the paths that we pursue in this area. When it it comes down to that, we pursue um, things of value that will give us our identity, But see, the other side of this is if we've got people who are saying I'm important because of this thing, you've also got people then saying I am nothing because maybe I don't have enough friends. Maybe I don't have any important friends. And so I don't have that much importance. Maybe instead of being successful, you work really, really hard but you don't seem to get anywhere of of great note. No one really listens to you. You don't have much new stuff. Maybe everything is second hand. Maybe you don't think that you're that special. And, and when it comes to having things, you have more bills than the money in your bank account. And so to live life this way in the pursuit of who we are, one of two things will be true. And, and it, both, both these things can be true. First of all, if you want to pursue value that way to give you identity, it is going to be a constant work all your life you cannot stop until the day you die. And in fact, what happens, and we see it in in our lives, we look at people in our society who go, do you know what, these people don't have as much value now. They've done their bit for society and now they've done their dash. And so we find that we have to work harder and harder still to keep that value. And if we can't keep up in our own minds or society's mind, we lose our value. We lose the the importance of who we are. The second thing becomes true as well is that if this becomes your pursuit, that at some point in time, if not regularly, it may be consistently, that you will likely end up disappointed. You will likely end up disappointed about finding value, finding identity. Because all of a sudden, like again, someone who ran... Who wins the gold medal? Like he'll be remembered that for all his life. But when he's eighty years old, like maybe they're having um, races in the nursing home and on the on the walkers and go and he'll 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 relive former glory days. But that glory days are well and truly behind him. And so we will get to a point that we'll end up disappointed in the things that we pursue. Oh yeah, I've got the latest iPhone seventeen. That's good. When But as soon as the iPhone 77 comes out, you're well and truly behind, if that's how we look at value. So today I'm going to, I want to switch, like I suppose that's the setup of, of what the world has us believe is the way that we find our identity, but I want to look at the real truth about us. Um... When we look for identity, we need to look to someone who has a stake in your life. So, do you know what, like, and, and sometimes we don't listen to the people that have a stake in our life. Sometimes as kids will go, but mum, you've got to say that you're my mum. Or, like, like, it's one of those things you'll be asked a question as a husband, this, this, do I look good? Of course you look good, you have to say that you are my husband. And so all of a sudden, you'll be saying this and they don't believe what you're saying. But the thing is, in reality, you need to get to a point where we are listening to someone who has a stake in our life. Because this is what I've I've, realised. The world does not care about you. It doesn't. The world wants to take from you. The world wants to use you. The world wants to benefit itself. And so we need to find someone who actually has a, a, a compassion for our life. And so for the rest of that, I want to look at who we are through God's lens. Now, up front, it is not all good. But the destination is amazing. And I think this is the thing. Sometimes we don't get to the destination because we go, I don't want to face all the truth about myself. Um, let's begin, Ephesians 2.4. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much. Well, that becomes just the basis on which we start. We need to realise that we are loved by God. And when people love you, when, when people love you, they, they genuinely want the best for you. And this is to be said of God. God, so rich in mercy, so rich in love for us, and loves us so much. doesn't like us. He doesn't like tolerate us. Sometimes we think of God as someone who just tolerates us ants crawling around and and hopefully we don't step out of line. No, no, no. God genuinely loves you. That's the first truth we need to realise. And so everything that follows after this comes in that sort of perspective that God loves you. We are loved abundantly. But then we hit verse 5. That even though... So God loves us even though we were dead because of our sins. And this becomes part of the truth that we need to realise and we must move through this. If we don't move through this, all of a sudden we are stuck on one side of this equation. We are sinners and too often we want to skip this step and to do so is to lie to ourselves as we rob ourselves of the fullness of what God wants for us. See this truth, the truth is strongly opposed to this half truth because we live in a world where we get to decide what is right and wrong. Well, it's evident. But the problem, the problem with that, if we, each one of us get to decide right and wrong, all of a sudden we will act in a very selfish manner. That's what tends to happen. We think for ourselves, and so it becomes a. It doesn't become an issue when I want something, I may take it from you, or you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you back, or I want a country, I'm going to invade and take it. That that's what that's what the world's value is saying. And then all of a sudden, on certain things, we say, "But no, that's not okay. That's that's wrong. We well, can't have right and wrong is decided by the individual if you then don't." allow that to flow through everything. And so we have groups within our society who say, this is right and this is wrong. You will have groups in our society who say, there's nothing you need to change about who you are. Oh, you shouldn't think of yourself as a sinner. You shouldn't think of yourself as someone who's in need of God's grace. That's just judgment. That's just condemnation. You need to reject that. But the thing is, if we reject that, if we reject our need for God, then we can't accept the things that God has for us. Ignoring the fact that we are sinners, we elevate ourselves, at least in our own minds, but we fall short of the destiny that God has for us. Jumping forward, we're going to look at verse 8. God saved you by His grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift gift from God. This becomes, I suppose, the other hard part for us to accept at times because what we need to realise is that we can't do it ourselves. So not only are you sinners and basically in need of God's grace, you are under condemnation, you are going to be sent to judgement, but you can't do anything yourself to get out of it. Salvation is not... um, is not our doing, is another truth that we don't always like. But if we admit we are a sinner and at the same time we admit that we, we need help and we admit that we need a saviour, all of a sudden it changes what we do. And now some of you may get to the point going, okay, I can admit that we're a sinner, I can admit that I need a little bit of help, but I'm going to help with the heavy lifting God. Oh, we, we sort of come and say, God yeah, you don't need to help me as much as some of those people over there. Like, like if you want to look at the real sinners, they're way over that side and I'm way over here. Notice where I'm standing, everyone? Just so, just so I pointed that out. No, no. It's actually mirrored. So you, you, you can take it any way you want. But the thing is, some of us think that way and it's another half-truth that we sometimes think that we can add to our salvation or we can lessen our need for salvation. no because then we actually have a look at Ephesians two nine. So basically it says in, in verse 8, you can't take credit for it's a gift from God. Um, Paul wants to make sure we're clear on this. In verse 9 he says, salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Now, if you've been in the church longer than Pastor Bert, that does not make you any more holy than, than anyone else. It, it doesn't. Um, like you could be Methuselah, who's just a little bit older than Bert, um, just a little. Even if he was in the church all his life, it doesn't make you earn your closeness to God. Like, oh, you've actually got your... your of 979, divided that by uh, 52 weeks. You didn't miss a few Sundays in there. But you're up there, most attendants at church, you're going to have a spot really close to Jesus. No, it doesn't work that way. Basically, there is nothing that we can do. Say, hey, look at me. Look at what I've done to earn God's favor. Look at what I've done to sort of secure my position in heaven. There is nothing. Oh, God, I'm a great sports person. God, I'm really rich. God, I'm, I'm really, really good looking. None of that counts before God. It all comes down to what God has done for us. And so the process which God set in place so many years ago was not designed to be a burden or a debt where we go, God, I owe you so much, I guess I have to drudgingly sort of follow you for the rest of my life. No, it wasn't ever set up that way. God has done this so that we can know how God truly sees us. Earlier I said that we can see life's purpose as as the pursuit of value to find identity. And in that clip earlier that um, Mary Magdalene was sharing, she she sort of said, our past doesn't define who we are. (coughs) People's perception of me doesn't matter. It is how that Jesus truly sees us and the fact that Jesus believes in you and Jesus believes in us. Ephesians 2.10 sums this passage up beautifully. It says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He has planned for us long ago. I, I believe when it comes to When it comes to who we are in God, this is a true statement. That identity comes from God, which gives us our value and then our purpose. But but that means, do I have to do anything to get my identity? No. It is given to you by God. You are special because God made you. End of story. You are special because God loves you. End of story. But what what do I have to do? How much is it going to cost me? It's going to cost you nothing to have that identity in God. And because we've got our identity in God, all of a sudden we have value in Him. In that verse, it says we are God's masterpiece. Now, I I am not an artist by any means of the imagination. Um, In fact, even in painting a house, by the end of it, I don't mind if I miss spots because I'm tired, I'm worn out. Oh, no one will see that bit anyway that's, like, that's, that's my effort when it comes to artwork but I see those people that paint for hours getting everything just right, the shape, the shading, the lines, the texture and they value their artwork and God actually says you are my masterpiece you, you you, in, in who you are are my masterpiece. Now God might be still touching you up in a few areas and fixing this up here, but you are a masterpiece to him. So why are you special? So why you are special is because God loves you and he values you into eternity. And our purpose in life then flows out of that. As we come to the end today, I want to show you a short clip from the movie Overcomer. In this movie, um, the premise of the movie is that it's a small sort of industrial town and it's got a school there with a number of sporting teams, a number of um, sort of, um, I suppose, developing um, uh, I academic things as well and all of a sudden the local factory shuts down. And all of a sudden, the kids who go to that school whose parents work in the factory have to move away. And so all of a sudden, their sporting teams are are robbed. And so the basketball coach is asked to take over the cross-country team um, because of the troubled times. And he encounters um, this troubled team. And and the movie highlights her journey somewhat um, and, and what she is going through. And I want to pick up the clip toward the end of the movie where she has come to the realisation of who she is. Thanks, Tony. Did you catch the phrases there? I am not a mistake because God made me. I, I am forgiven. I am chosen. God looks at us and says, "We're not the last to be picked. I, I picked you. I picked you. You're on my team." God looks at us and says, I I want you to be in my life. We are saved. We are loved. And ultimately that all wrapped up makes this our identity, that we are, that you are, I am a child of God. When it comes to half-truths about ourselves, if you pursue anything outside who God values you at. Yes, you'll find maybe a little bit of importance for some way. You you may find something in your life that gives you a little bit of meaning for, for some time, but it'll be a constant pursuit and eventually it will let you down. When it comes to God and your identity, God gives it to you straight away. We don't have to work for it. And because we are secure in it, because we are secure in the value that God gives us in our lives, all of a sudden we can pursue the things that He wants for us. It means that we can we can still work a job and we can still do our best. We can, we can still be successful, but, but if we are not, it's okay because I'm still a child of God. I, I may have fancy things in my life, but I may not. But it's okay because I'm still a child of God. I might go through a blessing of a year and I go, God this is so you're so good to me and then I go through a difficult year and do you know what? I'm not a loser, I'm still a child of God. We need to live in such a way that we accept the identity that God gives for us because it will be more to you than anything that you pursue in your life. Whether you are young, middle-aged, old, or Methuselah. Where, the, where you fall in the scheme of things there, your value is determined by a God who loves you. And if you have never come to a point that you have fully accepted that, you are missing out. If it's something that you're going to get back to or get to eventually, or or something that is, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll sort out God's stuff when I've got all my other Life stuff ahead of me. That was my thinking when I was in primary school. You become a Christian when you're old. And at 10 years old, I thought 18 was old. So, like, I don't know what what my 10 year old would think of myself right now. Like, go, aren't you dead yet? Like, I don't know. But the thing is, to get this right first in our life, everything else will fall into place in our mind, in our hearts, in our purpose and our value, because our identity is centered in who God is. I'm just going to invite the music team up, because the last song we've got to sing this morning, it really, again, falls into that that issue of who God says we are, who God wants us to be, and... Hey, if you are looking for identity, if you're looking for value, if you're looking for importance in all these other areas, it's a half-truth. And if it's a half-truth, it's a full lie. (coughs) So take time today to accept the identity that God has for you. Take time today to, to come to know Him and know who you are in Him. I read a phrase as I was preparing this week. We need to know who we are and whose we are. And do you know what? God has made us to be in relationship with him. If you get that one truth right in your life, so much else will work out for you. Lord, we thank you that you have come to give us the identity that we were, we were meant to have in the beginning. Your son's work on the cross was done so that we could know the fullness of the life that you have for us. And in so doing, we could come and be know our privilege as children of God. Not that we have earned it, not that we do something for it, but you have given it freely to each one of us. And I pray over everyone here that they would truly know that, God, you desire them to be your children. You desire for them to be in relationship with them. You desire for them to know the identity that you have given them. You desire for them to know the value that they have to you and in so doing know the purpose that you have for their life. I pray over everyone here today that they would walk away in that truth today and not continue to live in the half truths that the world tells about us all the time. I say, Lord... As we sing today, I pray that you would just impart in our hearts the truth of who we are to you. I pray this in your name. Amen.